you go through the seven churches of Asia that John the Revelator talked about. One of them churches was called Pergamos. And it was the seat, the, the Bible says it was the seat of Satan. They literally called it back then, they literally called it the gate of hell where Satan dwelt. In other words, that's where the hub of his authority dwelt at. That's where he had set up his, his root, his, his, uh, uh, the, the authority of hell came from Pergamos. And it ruled that day, but John the Revelator walked at, to the gate of hell or the seat of Satan and they started baptizing people in the name of Jesus. People that was lame was being healed and resurrected. The dead was being resurrected. And if they can have church at the gate of hell, and you can have church anywhere. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Romans, first chapter. Romans, first chapter. Uh, verse 16. Now, I have, uh, for some time, I have been desiring to see a great move of God. And I was preached here, pastors talked about it, and we've all wanted to, to see it happen. And I've prayed for a number of, uh, for a long time, and asked God, I said, how are we going to do it? He said, it's not going to be we. It's going to be me talking. He was talking. It's going to be me. He said, just preach Jesus. He said, it'll happen. Just preach Jesus. Amen? Romans 1, 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power, listen to me, the gospel, of Christ is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. White, black, everybody across the board. To the homosexuals, to the drug addiction, the alcohol, everybody. Unto everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. And I want to I want to preach to you tonight. I, I know I preached last Wednesday night on on the, about God, Jesus being the healer, but I want to preach a little bit tonight about we must preach Jesus. That's our job. Say we must preach Jesus. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah! 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 You may be seated. You may be seated. I'll tell you what. I'm about to fall apart here tonight come here without a belt again. I had to call my wife and ask her to bring a belt. I didn't have a belt on Wednesday. I didn't have any notes printed out. The printers were down. The server was down. And Sister Laurie, thank goodness, she's, she's an angel and uh, not in disguise, but she helped me tonight. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have any notes. And the uh, Lord knows I need it. But the most important need in this world today, it is certainly not uh, even though we may need a different president. Even though that we need a little bit more unity in the White House with Congress, whether side, what side you stand for, it's neither here or there. Greater than all that 
We need a resurrection of the church and people to speak out the name of Jesus. We have been silent for too long. Church, you hear me? Hey, y'all, I'm going to preach with you or without you tonight. I know it's Wednesday night, but uh, I, I want to punch the devil right in the face before his big holiday. But tonight, I, I want to let you know that the most important thing in the world is that we preach Jesus Christ. Yes, sir. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, I have often wondered why in the world that we are still here, why the church is still in this world. And I question, is it that we should pray? Uh, Is it that we're here because we need to praise and worship God? I don't believe that's the truth because we'll do that in heaven. Is it to sing and to serve? I don't believe that either. Uh, We'll do that in heaven. But the only thing that we can do here that we will not be able to do in heaven is to reach the lost. It is our job to reach the lost. Say it is my job. To sum up the prime objective of the church in two words, it is to simply preach the truth, preach Jesus. We need to preach Jesus in this last day. And before I go any further, I I, want to tell you, uh, the veteran churchgoers, we need to not ever get tired of hearing the name of Jesus preached. I said, I want you to hear me. We should never, ever get tired of hearing about the gospel. I know we all know that the gospel's the death, burial, burial, and resurrection, and we've heard it over and over and over. But we ought not to get sick of hearing it. We hear them sing the same choir songs and we sing the same praise songs over and over and over. And we dance about that. But all it seems like we start preaching about Jesus. Someone says, well, my goodness, can he preach anything deeper than preaching Jesus? You won't get anything deeper than preaching Jesus. Hey, I, I like to preach about Paul. I like to preach about the miracles that happened. I, I like to preach about Peter and, and, he, and how, much, how, how much goal that he had to preach on the day of Pentecost. And one of my favorite men to preach about in the whole Word of God is about David and David's victories and his songs and his ability to rise in, in the, in the uh, face of failure. I love to hear about Noah and I love to uh, talk about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were the patriarchs of the Old Testament and they're worthy to discuss. But the one, the, the one that I like to talk about the most is the one that breathed life into my mind and my heart and my soul. Those other men are great to talk about. But not a one of them ever saved me from hell. The words and the sermons that we get from Peter and John and all those guys, they give us comfort and they give us guidance. But not a one of them has ever healed my body. The Jesus is the only one that ever saved me. He's the only one that ever healed me. He's the only one that ever delivered me. I, I, I'm kind of excited about this message tonight. I don't know about you, but I get excited when I start preaching about Jesus. <laughs> wow. I, I, I think I'm the only one here tonight that's excited about this. 
I'm excited about it. We need to understand. We need to understand that the key to church growth is that we should understand that the role of preaching Jesus is not limited to pastors, teachers, and evangelists. People are often uh, in, in a dilemma in the churches because they're waiting on some man of God to come through and preach on Jesus and healing and that they don't understand why in the world they don't see it throughout the other year. We can't afford to pay evangelists to come through every month or every week to preach on healing, miracles, signs, and wonders. It is not their job alone. But every believer has been called Every believer has been called to let his light or light or his, her light to shine. Every believer has been called to be salt. Every believer has been commissioned to proclaim the good news, which is death, burial, and resurrection. Everywhere that we go, we should find an opportunity to preach Jesus saves. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. The problem is that we have misinterpreted the word preach. It has often been defined in such a narrow term that we often lose the true meaning. We, believe, we, we often think that the word preach is somebody that stands behind a podium. If you ever notice it, a lot of people desire to be behind the pulpit. But can I tell you with a little bit of experience, about 17 years worth, it's not always fun to be behind the pulpit. All of a sudden, you're put in a glass house and everybody puts you on this pedestal that, that you don't need to be on and the pressure. But that's what everybody thinks. That that's the high calling to be a preacher. And it is. But the word preach doesn't mean to stand behind the pulpit. You know what it means? It simply means to proclaim. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Proclaim. To proclaim. Proclamation is not limited to a preacher. All of us have been called to tell the lost that there is a Savior and His name is Jesus. I want to share with you three thoughts that, reg that with regard to command to preach Jesus. And these are first. Jesus is the message. Jesus is the message. Second, there is power in the message. Third, the church has been empowered to preach the message. Have you ever noticed people, I, I've talked to people and they say, well, I just really, I'm not a very good person to, to witness to people. I, I, I clam up. That's just really not who I am. I, it's just not in my personality to talk about it. I, I just, I find it hard to give Bible studies. Does anybody have the... Uh, I was going to ask you if anybody had the guts to raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to do that because there's going to be people here that, that are going to tell me that you clam up. But you know what frustrates me about those same people that have problems, uh, that, that, that have a problem preaching Jesus? They'll turn right around and talk about Peyton Manning. And they get excited about it. And they'll talk about the sorry patriots. 
And they get excited about it. And they don't have any problems talking about the Colts, whether they won or lost. And they, they, they get frustrated and they, they get down and out. God, there's people that commit suicide over uh, the Colts losing or some other team. And they get all wrapped up in their emotions with the sports team. Or they all get excited. I'll step on all everybody's feet. They get excited about fishing. They get excited about killing a big old deer. Oh, that's even hilarious. I know some people. <laughs> I know people. I've known of people that are scared to tell you about Jesus, but they shot a deer and they got so excited about it that they fell out of a tree stand. Now, I'm not here preaching to anybody specifically. I don't know who's done that or not. I don't know if you have or not. How'd you know I fell out of Christ? <laughs> you know that deer can you got to set up? <laughs> but all of a sudden, you start talking about an invisible God. People start thinking, well, I don't want people thinking I'm crazy. I don't want people uh, laughing at me. People are scared that people are going to laugh at you. You know what we need to do? We need to get baptized with the power of the Holy Ghost that we don't care who we talk to Jesus about. We're not intimidated. We're not scared that somebody's going to laugh at us. I got news for you, ladies. They already laugh at you the way they look. You look. They already laugh at us apostolics because of what we got on our door outside the church. We might as well go ahead and tell them about Jesus. I said we might as well tell them and proclaim that Jesus is the message. God hasn't called us to be weathermen. We can talk about the weather. He hasn't called us to be sportscasters. He's called us to, be, uh, to empower and shed light into a dark world. Somewhere in the course of our conversation, we need to seize every opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus. The world doesn't care if you talk about baseball. They don't care if you talk about the Colts. They don't want you to talk about the government. They're depressed because they watch too much news anyway. They don't care too terribly much if you talk about the church. They're sick and tired of hearing about the church. But you know what they really desperately want to hear? They want to hear who can save me, who can heal my mom, who can heal my father. That's what they want to hear. I'm preaching the best I can right now. That's what they want to hear. You know, there's people that, that walk by us and they see such a difference in us and they're so, they're so enamored by what we've got and they're so curious about who we are that they are awaiting and they're, in, uh, they're, they're waiting constantly for somebody to give them answers. Constantly looking for some kind of answer to their problems. Why do you think people get addicted to alcohol? Why do you think people turn to drugs and turn to, to abuse and, and this world? And Why do you think that they pack out 100,000 people in a stadium in 40 below weather and they put cheese, a cheese block on their head and they go out there with no clothes on? Cheese block. I'll tell you what a cheese block is. It's silly. You ever? I know you, you've had to see it. Uh, just type in Green Bay Packers. It's 40, to, 
below zero out there. It's iced all over the place, and there's snow all over the field. These guys are out there with their big fat guts hanging out, and they're all in a line. They all got a letter on each of their bellies, and they got cheese on their head. They got them all over in New England. And they got them up in Indianapolis and the Colts. And people pack out stadiums. And they, they, you talk about being inconvenienced and uncomfortable. But they go there and they, they're constantly rooting for uh, some kind of hero. And you know what they're really doing? They're searching for a Jesus. They're searching for somebody to root for. They're searching for a, 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 an occasion to, to forget about their problems. and they, they want some kind of happiness. And they think if they find a uniform to root for, that they'll, they'll forget about their problems. But the problem is that today their team may lose or they may win. But tomorrow they wake up in their bed and they have the same problems and same issues. And there's never any healing in their spirit. Can I tell you why? Because... Because the only God that can heal and save and deliver is Jesus Christ. That is what they're looking for. Hmm. They need to hear it. I'll tell you what happens when the devil starts hearing about the name of Jesus. Satan tells his imps, get them to talk about anything else under the sun. But I don't want to hear about the name of Jesus. That's, they're scared to death. The devil is scared to death about the name of Jesus. I've told this story before, but I like to tell it because it excites me. I remember uh, James uh, Michael, he came to, to work, he said, uh, or to work, work one day, and a, a gentleman that came to this church, he, he came and he, he was of the oriental descent. And he came and he said, I, I enjoyed your church. He said, It's a lot different than my church. And I enjoyed it. He said, but he said, the, the neat part about our church is that you can serve Allah and you can serve Muhammad and you can worship the sun or you can worship any God and you can come to our church because it's a universal church. Is that what it's called, the universal? Unitarian churches. And we can worship any God and it's really neat. He said, but it bothers me, he said, because I have friends that worship Jesus. He said, and that's the only religion that you can't worship. That's the only God that you cannot come into our church and be comfortable with. They will mock you. You're not allowed to come in there and mention the name of Jesus. He said, it, and James looked at me and said, isn't that a shame? And at first I said, no, it's not. All right, it is a shame. But I got to thinking about it, and it excited me. The devil's not worried when you talk about Muhammad. He is not intimidated when you start talking about Allah. Do you know why? Because those two dudes are dead in a grave. They're rotted. The only thing there is some bones and some dust. But when you start talking about Jesus, it reminds him. It reminds him about a stone. That was rolled away a couple thousand years ago. And that de devil scared to death because that same Jesus has got the devil underneath his foot. 
That's why they're scared. That's why they've taken prayer out of schools. And it, it kind of makes me angry sometimes. But when I get to thinking about it, it excites me because Jesus Christ is the only thing that scares hell. <laughs> me and my father-in-law sit around and we, 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 we start discussing and we start getting angry about about them doing all that stuff and taking prayer out of the schools and taking Ten Commandments off the, the law and we get frustrated about it. We need to vote this guy out and vote that guy out and do this. Um, uh, but you know what? It really is truly exciting when you start thinking about the devil being so stinking scared to death of this God that we serve that they're intimidated. You know what I say? Go ahead and take the prayer. If they want to take the prayer out of schools, we're still going to have revival. I said, we're still going to have revival. You know why? Because we're going to preach Jesus. We're going to preach Jesus to the lost. And I'm going to preach Jesus all the time. I'm going to preach Jesus to the lonely. I'll preach Jesus as a friend that sticks closer to the brother. Uh, to, I'll preach Jesus to our children. I'll preach Jesus as, as a father to the fatherless. And to the sick, I'll preach Jesus as a great physician. To those that are addicted to drugs and alcohol, I'll preach Jesus as the deliverer. To the brokenhearted, I'll preach Jesus as the one that came to, to, to mend broken hearts. To the one that on his death bed. I'll come and I'll preach that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. I'm going to preach Jesus to the sinner. I'll preach Jesus as the Savior. To the church, I'll preach Jesus as Lord and Master. No matter where I am, no matter where we go, we're going to take Jesus with us. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I know this is not a deep message. It's not. I know. It's just, we could talk about Revelations and Ezekiel and Daniel. You know, we had eight and ten and nine, uh, 13 week revivals in Ziegler, Illinois in the 80s. And I was, I was a kid. I remember those times. And most of those revivals were preached by a man by the name of Robert Baer. And I'm sure some of you have been, heard of him. He's... Uh, they call him the walking Bible. In my opinion, in my opinion, this humble opinion, he is probably the greatest preacher of our day and the time. If you never heard Robert Bear, get on uh, uh, goodpreaching.com and there's about 60 of his messages on there. You've, it is such a powerful, packed message. He didn't have to use notes like, like I did. I mean, he, he, he rattled on chapters after chapters and preached and preached. And I remember those services he preached with such conviction and such power, powerful anointing that people would walk into the services off the streets because they were drawn and they would run to the altar. I'm talking about people that were so loaded down with alcohol and drugs. And uh, uh, during that time, my mom and, my mom and dad uh, uh, had been given Bible studies to my mom's side of the family. And about 80 people from her family got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And a lot of them were heroin addicts and, and just any uh, peel-popping people. This just low down. And you, you could drive into Ziegler or Royalton and you could see them laying in the streets. They were the town drunk or the town drug addict. They begged for money. It, chances are, if there was a house robbed in Royalton, one of my relatives did it. 
That's what kind of people they look, uh, just people that you wouldn't want to invite in your home. You wouldn't pick them up as a hitchhiker. You just wouldn't have anything to do with them. And I, as a kid, I sit on the third row, right where you sit, Brother Sims, and I sit there watch people right and left for 13 weeks. I forget how many people had received the Holy Ghost in that, in that one revival. But my point is this, that every night you can get on that website and look up Robert Bear's preaching. Everything he preached, he preached on Jesus. Jesus, the incomparable Christ. Jesus, uh, dancing on a tombstone. Bethesda, the house of mercy. Everything he preached on. And I got to thinking about it. Can he find something other than that to preach on? How can you have a 13-week revival preaching on the same message? Most of us wouldn't show up because we've heard that before. I'll step, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this probably, but it's not all about you. You know what? I've been in church for 37 years. And there was a time I'd gotten out, but I still went to church, but I was, and I was backslidden. But I've heard enough preaching in my life, some of the greatest preaching that I've ever heard preached. I've been here 17 years and never heard you preach a bad message. I've heard Jeff Arnold preach, Lee Stone King preach, uh, this, uh, Jerry Jones preach, Scott Graham preach. I've heard it all. We've listened to tapes and uh, we've watched videos and all kinds. We've heard enough preaching. If you've been in church for two years, you've heard enough preaching to save the world over twice. So we, we got it. We, we got a lot going on. We know a lot of Scripture. We know who Jesus is. We know about the, uh, the, the Godhead. We know about Revelations. We know about Ezekiel and Daniel. But you know what? What about people that walk in this place and they've never heard Jesus before? And when somebody like Adam Hill gets up and starts preaching on Jesus, they say, well, we don't really want to hear that again. We need to stop being so self-centered that we should say, you know what? I'm excited that he's preaching Jesus. Why? I've already heard it. I know it. I know it. But they need to hear it. That's where our power is. That's where our power is through the name of Jesus. You know, I, Brother um, Massey, because of the times this past year, I got the opportunity to go. And the highlight, the highlight of, in, my, in, in my mind, I love Anthony Mang is my, one of my favorite preachers. And I love to hear Jeff Arnold preach. And he's the last preacher to preach at every because of times. If he's not sick, he's preaching the last night. But Glenn Massey preached one night, and he preached. It was a, the simplest message, and, and he preached on Jesus. Yeah. And I have never been in a service like that in my life. Jeff Arnold, he had to stand up. Anthony Mangan standing here. Jeff Arnold, it was so, the power of God was so strong. Jeff Arnold leaped out of his seat. He said, don't you even think about putting me up there. I can't do any better than what's already done. I can't outdo this message. 
And that place fell apart. And every, there was people getting healed of cancers. Tumors were falling off. Why? Because it was the simplistic message That's of the right. name of That's Jesus. Right. We better never, ever outgrow that name because it's the only name that's going to save, heal, and deliver. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 21 through 24, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You see us acting foolish up here, screaming and losing our voice and sweating up here. It's the will of God to look this silly. The foolishness of preaching. He chose it. To save them that believe, for the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks uh, seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. See, right there is a key, is the key to receiving a miracle. He said, we've got to preach Christ crucified. He said, there's people that are chasing after a sign. It is not the will of God for us to chase after miracles, signs, and wonders. I have, it gets, it's one of my pet peeves to see people uh, that follow after certain men. They, they follow them around the country because of their name. You know what they're doing? They're chasing after signs. And it's not the will of God for the church to be chasing after signs. The Bible says the signs shall follow. The follow. So you know what that means? When we preach Jesus everywhere we go, when we walk out of the room, a miracle happens. We don't even have to be there. to ha- We just walk out of the room and they start following us. Miracle signs shall follow them that believe. Believe what? Believe and preach the name of Jesus. My grandfather, he, my grandpa Hill, he's, he's not here. He's passed away, so he ain't never going to hear this CD. And I'll never hurt his feelings by saying he was the worst preacher that ever I've ever heard. Oh, uh, you know, I don't mean that disrespectful. I really don't mean that disrespectful. When I was 12 years old, I thought he was the greatest preacher in the world. I loved to hear his stories. He preached the same message over and over and over. And I, I thought he was the greatest preacher, but I looked back and it was so broken out there. He really didn't have a lot of times, he didn't have, he never built a message like we, you should build a message. And, and uh, any, any educated man would have laughed and pointed their finger and mocked, and I'm sure they did. But I'm going to tell you something. Every time that man preached, he preached a message called the Ragman about a man that, that used it back in the 30s or 40s or whatever. He went around and he uh, bought everybody's rags and he gave them new rags, clean rags. And he started preaching about how Jesus died on the cross and he washed our sins away and he gave us new, a new uh, cloth, new rags. I mean, how deep is that? But can I tell you something? That every time he preached, something happened. Somebody got the Holy Ghost. And there was services in there when he preached that people fell dead. I'm talking about lifeless. No life in them. Doctors checked their pulses and said, this man or woman's dead. It happened on numerous occasions. And my grandfather, the man that couldn't preach because he preached Jesus. He didn't shake him. He walked down and he prayed for those people and God gave them life back. 
Well, this ain't working, so I'll just go ahead and tell you. I, I, I don't care if you, you're tired of hearing the same story. I'll tell you. I'll never forget him telling me the stories, Adam. He said, I remember, he said, when your aunt was, was uh, turned five years old, my Aunt Brenda, she turned five, and she had one of those little waxy-looking lacy dresses. He said she climbed underneath the porch, and she snuck one of the candles off her cake, and she took the matches out of the drawer, and she went and lit that. He said, we hadn't had rain for days. He said, the weeds underneath that porch, it was so dry. And when she lit it, it all of a sudden lit her up. I mean, just, he said, the scream under that porch was absolutely, he said, it's, I still hear it in my mind. It's, it, he, said, he said, we had company there for the birthday party, and we couldn't lift that porch off. So we started tearing that porch off, board at a time. He said, we took that, my daughter, out of the, underneath that porch. He said, and that dress had melted to her. He said, and I don't mean to sound insensitive, but he said, you could see her entrails. He said, it had burned off layers of skin. He said, so I laid her on a pillow. He said, and she was crying. He said, God, he was praying, God, I know you're a healer. He said, I took her to Barnes Hospital. He said, and they began to put IVs in her and give her morphine. And they said, we can't do anything for her. She's going to die. And he got up. He said, yeah, but what if she lives? And he said, she ain't going to live. He said, yeah, but what if she does? He said, she's not going to live. He said, just give me some hope and tell me what if she lives. The doctor looked at him and said, Mr. Hill, at best, she'll be mental retarded. She'll never see again. She'll never hear again. You'll have to feed her through a tube. That's at best. He said, I carried her body with, with salve all over her and, and little white cloths around her. He said, and I took her home. He said, and Sunday morning I got up. He said, I took her on a pillow. He said, I laid her on an altar. He said, Jesus... I can't do anything else. You're going to have to do the rest. She's 70 years old now. She's a millionaire. She's got four kids. She, uh, her husband she married a man that was the uh, the electrical engineer for the Rams Stadium. He is he's so smart. He's a brilliant man. She's smart. They're millionaires. They own 650 acres with a nice house, with a lake, and just an unbelievable lady. And she's got four kids with a bunch of grandchildren. God healed her. Can I tell you why? Because it was the simplicity. The simplicity of preaching Jesus and speaking Jesus. That's what that man did. Most of us wouldn't walk across the street to hear that man preach. <laughs> We're scared in the silence about preaching Jesus. Afraid people's going to laugh at us. Pray, afraid people's going to... We're going to lose our jobs. Maybe that's what needs to really happen to some of us to get us kicked out of the nest. Let me, let me ask you this. What is going to have to happen for us to fulfill the Scripture when the Bible says that we'll be hated by all men for my name's sake? And that, listen to me. How many times, how much time and energy have we spent trying to get accepted 
into this world. We look good, put this on. We can't, yeah, we got to. Well, I know we got, we're supposed to give the church a good name and not be a reproach on the ministry and on the pastor and on the God we serve. But how, I know, I know a man that was a pastor not far from here. He was in charge. He was in charge of the men's, men, uh, the men's, uh, they have it at Brother Knowles now. What am I trying to say? The men's conference. He was in charge of it. It was his job to set it up. A pastor friend of mine was on the board to help set this meeting up. And he was going to have this men's conference. Uh, they weren't going to have it at their church anymore. They were going to have it at a larger facility. And they were going to invite the mayor and the town, the town hall, the board members, all the men. And they wanted to have these people in here, these important people in this town. And they was going to have, they was going to bring them all in and they was going to let them sit on the front row and they were going to honor them and they were going to have church. And you know what this pastor, this apostolic Pentecostal oneness pastor had the audacity to tell all the pastors that sitting in that, in, in that meeting? He said, listen, if you see anybody speaking in tongues, he said, I want you to quietly Exit them out of the building. Next door, there is a place. Hey, I'm not going to keep them from pray, praying. I'm not going to keep them from doing it. He said, I just don't want them to do it in front of the town's people and the important people because we're trying to impress them. And two years, approximately two years later, that church went charismatic. I know that we need to do things, and I know I'm supposed to preach about Jesus, but I know that we're supposed to, we're, we should have everything in decency and, and in order. We're not decent, and we're not supposed to yell out and a- ask questions. And, and do, Whatever happened to good Holy Ghost apostolic stomping church of people? That's right. Because we, somebody important may come in, and we, we, may, we may leave a bad taste in somebody's mouth. We should never be ashamed of our worship. I've I've done it before. I've been up here. Ah, we got a visiting person up here. Man, I hope it doesn't get too wild so we run these folks out. I have to stop being so honest, don't I? <laughs> but all of a sudden, I, I see it all of a sudden. What happens? Kim Cra- Kim, Kim, Cra- Kim Evans has to start shouting. Yeah. And Tony yeah. has to get all red-faced and start hooting and hollering and screaming out Jesus like he's a crazy man. Brother Bob starts bobbing his head and getting going. And I'm standing up here going, oh, man. Hope. No, what we need to do is we need to all gather in and start hey, dancing. Hey, hey, hey. I want 
to go, I want to have service one time where someone says, well, I'm feeling left out. I think I need to get involved in this. I've got, I've got five more pages of notes to preach. I'm in trouble, aren't I? I've seen it. I'm getting ready to close. I've seen, I've seen them come in and, and you're going, oh man, I hope it just... But all of a sudden, the church starts moving and music starts cranking and we start singing something about Jesus and all of a sudden you, you look back and that guy... He's not as drunk as he used to be. All right. And he's not happy because he's high. He's happy because he's feeling something different. Let me tell you what he's feeling. He's feeling the power of Jesus Christ. And if we would stop worrying and start, stop being embarrassed of who we are and start preaching Jesus and start dancing and start worshiping God like God called us to, people would start... It'd start jumping out and pee on other people, and people would start getting the Holy Ghost in their pew. They wouldn't even have to come up here. Yeah. Yeah. Man. off these. I, I guess I didn't need these after all. I used. I used the first three pages. Thank you. I, I, I really feel, I feel like that, that God is really trying to change the mentality of the last day church. I, 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 well, I know He is. And that He's trying to change the mentality that, that, for, that we've held on to for so long that just really can't, can't have a move of God without Him here, and we, we need you. We can't really ha- have a move of God without the right piano and playing, and we can't have. We we've got to do what God has called us to do, and understand that every single one of us have the same Holy Ghost as that guy right there. He's not the only one that can cast out devils. And I've seen him do it. And I've seen some of you do it. And I've seen some of you lay hands on the sick and they recover. Now we talked about that last week. But we've got to get that mentality out of our head that we're bound to a house or a church inside at McCormick's Creek on, on Highway 46 and realize that we are the church and that where we go, we proclaim the name of Jesus. And that's the only thing that we need through the name of Jesus. Paul said, what else can I preach save Jesus Christ and Him crucified? And with that name alone, He set the world on fire. He didn't have a church to preach out of. He didn't have air conditioning. He didn't have a drum set or a piano or a choir. He just had a name. We need to get just as excited telling people about Jesus as we do about things that we're inter- interested in. We just need to get interested in Jesus. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And I could preach a lot longer, but I'm not because I ran, I, I, I ran out of time. I just, 
I feel, I, I really truly feel that God is doing something in our midst and He's going to continue to do something in our midst. I, be, I truly believe, I said it when, last Wednesday night, that I believe that God was going to do something at that play. And you even, you said the exact same thing that I did. You weren't here. But I, I told the church last week, I said that there is, there is going to be good things happen at that, that, that play. And I said, but what's going to be a great impact is what happens after. And that for a long time, and since you weren't here, or some of you weren't here, I want to say it again. For a long time, we've been viewed in a bad way. And I was really apprehensive about saying it, but there are certain churches that can give us bad names. And a lot of times there is a stigma on us because of others in the past. You understand what I'm saying? I don't want to be rude and call out names. But God changed that Sunday night. That's good. That's good. I'm, I'm going to tell, tell you what happened. I'm going to tell you what happened Sunday night. There was what? 50, 60 visitors? 50 or 60 visitors. Well, how many people were in Spencer? Six, but how many? Approximately. 1,500, 1,600 people in Spencer? 2,200 in Spencer. You say, well, there was only 50 or 60 new people that saw that. That ain't, that ain't what happened. There was something in the spirit world that broke Sunday night. You believe me. You hear me. I'm telling you the truth. There is something that happened in that place. There is an anointing that we left behind there. There is an anointing that we left behind there. Say, what's... I'm getting ready to close. Brother Mangan told a story about his dad baptizing somebody, baptizing these people. And the, the swamp, it was like a swamp area, lake, swamp, and it was called snake something. And it was because it was, an, it was infested with water moccasins. Cotton mouse down there in Louisiana. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those things, but those things are na nasty looking mean. I mean, they, they will, if you, I've thrown rocks at them before and they come, they come up and chase you. But that place was infested with them. And people said, you're telling me you're baptizing people down there in that old nasty swamp? What about the snakes? He said, I don't care about the snakes. You know how he's on. Bless God. You ever heard him? Well, bless God. And it is, it, it is known. Brother Mangan said, he said, it is known. They started baptizing people in that water. He said, he said, they may as well change the name of that place. He said, because since then, they have never seen another snake in them waters. You want to tell, I'll tell you the best way to run out the serpent is let the anointing do it. Let's preach the name of Jesus. And Lord, have, have mercy. I, I'm excited about this. Let's all stand. I probably should have saved this for a Sunday night. Yeah, it never goes out of style, does it? Let's all close our eyes just for a moment and let's, let's focus on, on Jesus and what, what God has called us to do. Tomorrow you're going to get up and you're going to face people, people that you may not even like. 
But I, I pray that we, we somehow find a way to display Jesus to them. And that God changes the way we view people in our minds. That everybody, everybody, regardless of where they've been or what they've done, deserves a chance to meet Jesus. And how better can they do that than the people that are close to them where they work, where you go to school. And I pray that God gives us a boldness to, to present Jesus to the, this lost and dying world because that's the only way they're going to hear about it. And I pray right now that God would let your anoint, His anointing rest upon us and give us a spirit of boldness that we stand and speak truth even when it's not in style, when it's, it doesn't want to be heard. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Really quick, uh, uh, two announcements. There has, uh, I know that there's, we, we took up.